Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Cafecito con Estrellita. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hola mi gente, welcome back to Cafecito con Estrellita. I hope you're doing well this week and happy first week of October. Oh my gosh, you all don't understand how much I love the month of October and I'm sure so many people say that but I don't blame them, you know? It's the time where all the cute fall things come out, where a lot of the cute like fall styles come out, and just having, again, like the smell of pumpkin spice lattes or fall scents in general is honestly the most soothing thing in the world, such as like having candles, plugins for the wall, or even like those pumpkin spice smells that you can put in the car. Now, the only thing I'm waiting for for this fall time to hit is sweater weather. That is a mouthful, but I know you all know what I'm talking about. Now, here in California, I feel like we don't really get the sweater weather vibe until like maybe midway October, something like that. And and because of that, I haven't been able to wear a lot of my cute fall sweater weather well, I guess sweaters <laughs> that I've been waiting to wear. So I'm just waiting for the cold to kick in to then fully just embrace the fallness because it hits differently when you're wearing your cute sweater, some cute boots, and then by 1230 in the afternoon, you're just sweating and you have to take off the sweater and the whole outfit is just, it's just not the same. And I'm not sure like me... Me other gente that like live in different parts of the U.S. can relate to this? Probably not because I know you guys have a lot of seasons, but for us in California, it takes a little while before sweater weather hits and whatnot. Now, mi gente, another thing I want to bring up today, and it's going to be the fact of the day, is the launch of Rare Beauty Cosmetics by Selena Gomez. Now, this came out on September 3rd, the whole brand, everything. There are about 48 different shades, so she really diversified the foundation shade range, which I think is so awesome because only individuals such as Selena Gomez and Rihanna with her coming out with Fenty Beauty a couple years ago, they would really make sure to have the foundation color set to me all the different diversified needs that we we as consumers are searching for in regards to like makeup and whatnot. So I'm just so happy to announce that. Now, Rare Beauty is only being sold as of now on the Rare Beauty website, as well as Sephora. And based on what I was looking at earlier, it looks like the Fenty Beauty Foundation, for example, is $35. But Selena Gomez's Rare Beauty Foundation comes out to be about $29. So there's a little bit of a price difference. For, to some, it may be a huge price difference. To some, it may not. Either way, I'm a fan of both of these women and just the, the foundations, the shades, and the lipsticks, just everything they've come up with. Now, one of the things that I love about Selena Gomez's mission with Rare Beauty is that not only is it targeted towards having all women feel the most beautiful that they can feel, but also it's really gearing towards making a difference for mental health awareness. Now, how would a makeup line 
do this? Well, let me read to you the statement that Selena Gomez has for all of us to read on the Rare Beauty website. So the impact of Rare is supporting the mental health of our community, employees, and partner partners is core to everything we do. By celebrating our uniqueness and making people feel more connected, Rare Beauty aims to reduce the stigma associated with mental health, address the epidemic of chronic loneliness, and help give people access to the resources they need to support their mental well-being. Now, if that is not a way to make you feel so connected to a brand, specifically a brand that's being run and was created by a Latinx woman, I don't know what is. And I know previously on season one, I had made an episode that really focused on Selena Gomez and why I just admire her. And well, I'm just going to touch upon it again before we go on with the rest of this episode in regards to this woman, this artist, this powerful Latina. She has been coming out with so many projects in order to elevate all women, all people in general, not just their Latina community in regards to what's going on in the pandemic. And I can give you a couple of examples. So not only did she decide to just have her makeup line launch during this year, which by the way, she did not launch it purposely to land on a pandemic. No, based on a couple articles I've read, she was actually in the process of creating Rare Beauty two years ago. It just happened to land upon the year of the pandemic that she would release it. So there's that. She's focusing on a, her core values is really connected to a brand. And I think that's this, the most important thing. The second thing that I love is just about a few months ago, she had came out with David Henry to announce the premiere of a virtual film. And she pretty much, her and David Henry collaborated together to announce to everyone that if they purchased a VIP access to watch this film on a specific day that they would be able to virtually sit with them and watch the entire film together, which even though it would have been virtual for many people who are Selena Gomez fans or even just David Henry fans or even just anyone that just wants to take their mind off of the stressors that come from this pandemic, she did her part to really just find a way to bring people connected and it was through movies. And I think that was awesome. And also just earlier this year when the Black Lives Matter movement really kicked off in regards to everything that had happened with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, etc. She used her Instagram platform that has so many followers. She, for many years, was known as the woman, not even just the woman, just the influencer, celebrity, however you would like to, you know, have her title categorized as, she was known as someone that had the most amount of followers than anyone, more than Kim Kardashian, more than Kylie Jenner, and that says a lot. So as soon as this whole launch in regards to really fighting for justice in the Black Lives Matter movement earlier this year, she allowed her Instagram to be used as a platform for 
for people who advocate for Black Lives Matter strongly. So each day, an African-American individual was speaking their voice on why it's important to advocate for Black Lives Matter, why it's important to end racism, and etc. And she did that. She, I remember reading in a post that she knew her platform needed to be used for good, especially during such an unusual time that we're living in. So because she knows she has the influence to affect many other people, that's when she decided to collaborate with other people in this specific case during the earlier time of this year. It was with people who were advocating for Black Lives rights. She used it for positivity. And well, I cannot just say, I can't help to say that. I just admire her so much in the sense of what she's trying to do to uplift others, especially during a time in the world that we really need right now. All right, welcome back, mi gente. Now, we just spent the first intro talking about Selena Gomez and me fangirling like crazy, whatnot, etc. <laughs> I hope you were fangirling too, by the way, because uh, she's just an amazing woman. Anyways, now let's dive into the topic of FAFSA. So what is FAFSA? And FAFSA is known as financial aid for students. And by students, I mean undergrad students and potentially grad students. Now, I use the word potentially specifically for grad students because there are many times that a lot of grad programs won't always have as many financial aid packages available for students in comparison to undergrad. However, I have met other individuals in the past that have had their grad school pretty much paid for due to financial aid grants. Not always, but I have. But it's definitely more common for students to have bigger financial aid, help, grants, etc. during undergrad. Now, financial aid to start filling out the application actually opened up on October 1st, so last Thursday. And you want to go ahead and start filling it out whenever best you can, because the due date to have um, the priority of like, you know, the best financial aid package that you can receive is on March 2nd. So you do have a lot of months in between to fill out the application, but it's still important to just fill it out when you can. And the best way you'll be able to do that is by using your parents' tax papers or even just yourselves if you are an independent student. Now, I know one thing for me when I was filling out FAFSA for the first time was I would confuse the term independent and dependent a lot of times. And to basically summarize it all together... When you are a dependent student, your parents still claim you on their taxes. So you're going to be using your parents' taxes for your FAFSA application, and that will determine how much aid you get as a student because overall, you can receive grants or even loans through FAFSA, but it all goes back down to your student household needs. Now, that's dependent. If you are an independent student, that means your parents do not claim you on your camp, on your taxes and you're most likely not 
living at home with your parents. So that's definitely the difference between independent and dependent. And I just wanted to share that because I know for me, it took me a little while to fully be able to grasp the understanding. Now, mi gente, the other thing I want to bring up too is that it's very important. And that's why I think it's crucial that we stay aware of the fact that like, even though our deadline is March 2nd, just don't don't take so long to fill out your FAFSA once you have like all the W-2 forms and anything else needed like tax paper wise to fill out your FAFSA. Don't like once you have it or once all that is organized, make sure you use it to fill it out. Now, the reason why it's, I believe it's important for us to do it when we can, when we have all the right resources is because a lot of the times students due to FAFSA mistakes, may end up lessening how much financial aid they could receive for their academic year. And well, no one wants to lose the possibility of free money just because maybe they put in the wrong checkbox while they were filling out the application or maybe because they didn't properly sign what they needed to sign on the FAFSA form. So what I highly recommend for all of my first-gen students, any college student in general, if you're listening to this episode, is to research your university campus, whether it's your community college campus, four-year, such as Cal State or UC. And I guarantee you that there are virtual workshops going on right now in regards to helping students fill out their FAFSA form the best and correct way possible. Now, I say this because, for example, at my Cal State, where I am doing my graduate degree program, um, they actually have a virtual workshop coming up on October 20th, and it's going in regards to like how to avoid the common mistakes that students may put on a FAFSA form, how to make sure you fill it out correctly, and whatnot. And for me, first gen gente, that especially have a lot going on at home right now during this pandemic, I want to give you a bit of advice. Because sometimes, especially if it's your first time filling out FAFSA, whether you're an undergrad student or a grad student, because believe it or not, there are individuals who are grad students that they don't fill out FAFSA till their first year of grad school because maybe they didn't know during their undergrad or maybe because they saw their first two years they didn't they didn't get FAFSA given to them. They just stopped applying until they got to grad school and reapplied to see if they'd get anything from FAFSA. Anyways, mi gente. So in regards to that, if you, mi first gen gente, have a lot going on at home right now, because let's say you have to help your siblings with their online classes while working, while doing your courses, and also helping your parents out, and you can't necessarily find the time to attend these virtual workshops that may go on during a time that doesn't necessarily work for you, what I recommend that you do is one, look on your university website and where they say financial aid workshops, just see what other future dates and times they have available so you can plan ahead of time to make that fit with your schedule. Or number two, what you can do is consider emailing the contact information that is given on the university website where it shares the information of that FAFSA virtual workshop 
find that contact info, whether it's email, which I highly recommend email. So then there's like written proof. And once you find it, go ahead and email who who you need to with that email address and uh, and like explain your situation that you want to attend this virtual workshop because you're filling out fast for, for the first time and you want to do it right. However, due to your crazy schedule, you can't meet at the desired time. Would and you then can ask, could you consider recording the Zoom lecture even if it's just like audio and emailing it to me? Because a lot of the times when you sign up for virtual events that are going on right now, whether it's through university campuses or whether it's through um, just like, let's say, because I know there's a lot of platforms specifically that I'm finding on Instagram, such as Latinas in Tech Org or Latina Grad Guide. If they have virtual events going on, specifically Latinas in Tech Org, um, once you sign up, um, there's a high chance that you're going to get the recorded lecture or workshop presentation sent to you. So if other Latinx organizations are doing that for their people, where like they'll record it and then send to the people that like can have like as after show notes, then you can go ahead and just consider asking the financial aid person, the, the person giving the financial aid workshop. And worst case scenario, they say, no, we don't send out Zoom, you know, lectures, recording of this presentation. But then again, they could also say, yeah, sure. Because a lot of the times, as long as like Zoom guidelines are being met and everything goes well, there is a high chance that if you go out and ask, you can receive the help you need in regards to get that Zoom lecture that goes into detail on how to apply to FAFSA, watch it, and then if you have any other additional questions, you can go ahead and email once again the contact email on who is putting this workshop together. And I say this based on my experience, Mijenta, because just like many of you, I've had to work and still work during my educational path. I, I, I have to because bills need to be met and... I need to be able to, you know, just support myself the best way I can and, you know, still study and whatnot. So if you can just put yourself out there a little more and just at, in the sense of asking for help when you really need it, my first gen gente, go ahead and do that because telling you from my personal experience, that has always helped me in regards to making sure I have everything correct. And I can give you an example when I was first applying for program over here at Cal State Stanislaus, when I was applying to the teaching credential, I felt very overwhelmed by all the paperwork that had to get done, da 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 da, whatnot. And because it was so overwhelming, I went out of my way, saw the university website, and found that the the um, the education teacher department was actually hosting an application workshop because it is a lot of paperwork. They do expect to see a lot of things set, like, you know, submitted and sent to even be considered for program. So before I even went to the actual, like, um, workshop itself, I actually went and I emailed the person in charge and I asked for additional questions 
And she gave me like specific answers I didn't even know that I needed, but helped me a lot. But more of the story, if you can, especially because I know a lot of us have crazy schedules, ask for the help. You may be surprised on what your professors say or your workshop hosts may say. You know what I'm saying, mi gente? Now, the next thing I will definitely recommend is make sure you fill out your FAFSA form for all the universities that you apply to. And the reason why I say that is because there's a part on the FAFSA form where it asks, like, which institutions are you applying to or did you apply to? And you're going to, like, search them up and just checkbox them, and they're all going to be on your application form. And I say this because a lot of, and this is leaning geared towards undergrad, and then I'll get into grad school in a second, but a lot of undergrad institutions may give you bigger financial aid packages than other. And let me explain. For example, for me personally, when I applied to UCSB, I was not given financial aid. Eventually, I was able to get scholarships that did help me out. Um, However, when I was looking at other universities, I saw that UCR and UCI were offering me a bit more financial aid. Like I did not get, I did not get scholarship offers yet because I'm sure once I, if I would have accepted admission at UCI or UCR at the time, maybe I would have gotten more like admission, um, money packages, whatnot. But based on like what I was seeing on my financial aid letter or potential letter, UCI and UCR were going to give me more money in comparison to what UCSB gave me. Now, for my own personal choice, I still went to UCSB, but everything worked out the way I wanted for me, if that makes sense, and how to like you know afford UCSB and still be able to pursue on and whatnot. Now, there are many times that I've even had just like platicas with other um, of my college friends that. When they applied to, let's say, Cal State Long Beach, they did not get financial aid. But then when they applied to UC San Diego, they got more financial aid than Cal State Long Beach. It's it's always a hit or miss. And you really never know with the institutions you are applying for because every university has different you know, guidelines, regulations, and whatnot. So I suggest making sure in your application that you checkmark each program that you are interested in and then seeing what goes from there. Now, speaking more into the grad school perspective, I will tell you this, as mentioned before, it is highly common for grad programs in regards to master's and teaching credentials and whatnot, anything that isn't PhD, to not really give you that much funding or financial aid when you first apply. Like when I was originally at Cal State Fullerton before I had a change in my career path, um, I was paying out of pocket, which is why I was working full-time at the time as well as like attending school part-time. However, once like um, I moved on from Cal State Fullerton to where I am now, don't get me wrong, during this past summer, I did pay out of pocket. I was working two part-time jobs and doing my three summer courses for summer 2020. However, once every once you know, I went through the whole COVID thing, got my official acceptance letter and whatnot, my credential program actually gave me a full grant that covered my entire tuition. 
And I mean, I that was something I never thought I'd see in my life. Because when I went to community college, I did not get financial aid help because my parents made barely made over the the bracket, if that makes sense, because there's a certain like, you know, a certain a certain amount that that um, an individual needs to make sure that, you know, they don't go over that amount to get the most financial aid they can. I never got it. So community college, same thing. I always worked out of pocket to pay for, which I did with my Disneyland paycheck, Starbucks paychecks, you name it. But thankfully for like the first year, I did get the BOG waiver, which by the way, that's why it's always important, even if you you feel like you won't get financial aid at all, just apply because my community college I went to first year, even though I did not get financial aid because I didn't qualify, I got the BOG waiver, which gave me free tuition. And I just had to pay like, I believe it was $18 at the time for the health fee. But then, you know, eventually for me, the BOG waiver like ended and I paid out of pof pocket, but it was still like pretty affordable in comparison to when I transferred to a four-year university. So I definitely recommend that. Also, when you do apply for FAFSA, even if you don't get any like grants or, you know, free money, basically, you are, st you are still offered loans. And whether you take out the loan or not, it's just always nice to know that extra help is needed. It's there. You can apply for it when you can, but in order to be able to apply for that loan when you can during the academic year, it is important that you fill out your financial aid so you are able to do so, mi gente. So then going back to what I mentioned previously, for my credential program, I got a grant that will cover my entire tuition. I mean, I still have to pay my books and whatnot, but again, that's why I have two jobs to support myself with that because I I have a long way with education in regards to like the degree I want. So I want to make sure that if I do have to take out a student loan, I want it to only be for the doctorate program. And especially because, you know, it is very common for people not to maybe want to pursue a higher degree in the master's or doctorate program just because they don't want to avoid taking out too many student loans. Because it's a thing, because if we take out too many student loans, don't pay it back on time. It could and will <laughs> follow us for a very long time. But anyways, it's important whether you think you will or think you won't receive financial aid, just apply because just having that loan that that loan option is definitely a nice guarantee and it doesn't it doesn't make you feel so worried and whatnot. Now, a lot of the times financial aid, how they'll give you your help money is they'll give it through grants. Like I said, I have a grant that will pay for my tuition for the seems like the rest of my credential program. And with grants, you don't have to pay them back. However, you don't have to repay grants, but there may be that rare occasion that you may have to. Now, let me let me rephrase that. So let's say you are trying to get your teaching credential, okay? And you get like a teach grant. A lot of candidates get offered a teach grant or get offered to apply to a teach grant. However, with that teach grant, you are most likely needed to commit to teach to a specific underrepresented school district for like, I believe 
like a couple of, I'm not going to say the number by because I can't remember at the top of my head and I don't want to give you the wrong information. However, um, when you get a TEACH grant and if you don't meet the expectations such as going to go teach at the specific underrepresented school district that they ask you to teach, then if you don't commit to that within four years after receiving your teaching credential, then they'll go ahead and convert your TEACH grant to a loan, and then you have to pay it back with interest and so forth. Now, another way that your grant, they, I saw on the financial aid website, I'm looking at it now, they say a, they have it under the category that says when you have to pay for a grant, but not necessarily. But another example of a grant that you may have to pay back for is like, let's say for the academic year you were offered in total, a $15,000 grant for the academic year. However, let's say you take a leave of absence during the spring, so you only use the grant for that fall, then that grant money is reduced, so you're only given money for that fall, and the, the rest of the money that you would have been used for spring is no longer available for you because you're no longer a full-time student. So then um, you would have to reapply, which I mean, you would anyways, to your FAFSA before the upcoming March 2nd deadline to see how much you would get for the following year, if that makes sense, mi gente. I know I'm giving you so much information. So before we can continue on with the episode, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Going to let you all sit in on that and we'll go on from there. All right, welcome back, Miente. So we went through so much information. First and foremost, we made sure to highlight Selena Gomez' Rare Beauty um, makeup line came out, loved the mission, everything about it. Then we went into some pretty thorough detail on how to go about financial aid, the FAFSA application, where to look for help, what you can expect from grants, and the two grants that you supposedly have to pay back if you don't meet the needs of it. But most of the time, students can meet their needs or it's just reduced. It all depends on the situation that you're going through as an academic student. Because at the end of the day, FAFSA is made, no, FAFSA is giving out based on the student's needs. So if you're taking a leave of absence, then they know that you're not going to need the financial need for the entire year, which is why they will reduce it. Or something like a TEACH grant, just make sure that when you apply to it, that right after graduation, you teach at that district they want you to teach, and then you won't have to pay it back. But overall, grants necessarily, except except for those two, under that circumstance, don't have to get paid back. Now, mi gente, before we officially end today's episode... I'm going to go ahead and highlight the quote because who does not love quotes? All right. This one is by The Million Game on Instagram. I'll say their Instagram handle again. Again, The Million Game. All right. Remember this. The next time someone tries to put you down, confidence is quiet. Insecurity is loud as heck. Mi gente, when I first read that, my mind was mind-blown because it's true. Like, when have you ever heard 
of someone who's truly happy with themselves going out to spread malas vibras to other people. They don't do that. But people who tend to feel more insecure are the ones that feel the need to just raise their voice, make sure they're heard, but in a more angry sense, you know? And it's so funny because with my sister, well, one of my sisters, because I have have three, but with one of my sisters, I've shared with her that as I continue to grow older, whenever I would just like come across someone that just, you know, just spread out negativity with no problem, (laughs) when I would see them, especially when they would like, you know, raise their voice specifically towards me or other people, I just would see them as like an upset chihuahua. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of the times, and don't get me wrong, I love chihuahuas, but this was literally like the first thing I thought of when like, you know, a chihuahua is upset, an angry chihuahua, and they start just barking and barking and barking and barking and barking, even if like no one's doing anything to them. And I'm talking about an angry chihuahua, not the happy ones, not this chihuahua has to be moody. So when there's an individual like that who's just like barking and barking and barking at me, trying to bring me down, as soon as I just look at them in their eyes, really unfazed, but yet like, you know, calm, because again, no matter who you are, I just don't like to spread negative vibras. I really don't. I will not say that I'm not realistic. I am, but I like to mix in my realistic and positivity together because there's just so much negativity in the world right now and it takes too much energy for me to add to the negativity flame if you know what I'm saying me gente anyways so when a when an an, an upset angry moody negative chihuahua is just going and going at me as i said i just i look at them with my eyes very sincerely not mean because that's that's not I don't really have like a resting mm face. I have more of a resting melancholic face. Ugh, that that's just me. Anyways, me hit that. Then I just like look at them and then I just have to respond with whether it's a lot of times I could be like, Do you need water? What's wrong? Or if they're really pushing it, then I would address them, do not talk to me like this, please. I am not talking to you this way so don't do it to me and then when you know you think about it when an angry moody chihuahua just keeps barking and barking they don't expect you to respond back and then once you do they like calm down and they're like oh oh and then they just you know they're not really sure what to do and that's kind of how I I go about with just negative vibras that get thrown at me I don't like to get down to the same level of just throwing back negativity I like it more in the sense where it's just like I approach it with like, you know, confidence, boldness, and just boundaries. Boundaries is the thing, mi gente. And that's why I just wanted to share this quote with you because I just want you to remember and if it helps you because I know for me, whenever someone would throw negativity of me, I would take it personally. I was that person that if I would go to work or if I would go to class or anywhere that requires social interaction, if there was somebody that like, you know, I knew and we would conversate, if they happened to be moody that day, but like more than usual, then I would think that I did something and I had to fix it. 
kind of goes back to like my old enabling ways that I grew out of. However, it would only get dangerous if this would be coming from somebody who's used to always just addressing and announcing their negative vibras and I, I I know you know the type of the type of individuals I'm talking about it just it comes out more naturally for them to just want to just not spread out positivity I'm not sure why but it's just something that I've noticed so for me specifically if it was from a person who just was always constantly in their own negative bubble if they were in my circle, I would feel like it was my job to make sure that they had a good day because I knew them, they knew me, care, I cared about them, so I needed to fix it, but obviously it made things worse. Da, 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 da. Those, are, those are stories from old Estrellita who just wasn't fully grown yet because as I've shared before in previous episodes, yes, I have always been nice. Yes, I have always been empathetic and care for people. However, now, especially as a 25-year-old woman with everything I've gone through, I know how to put boundaries. I know how to make sure that I understand that when someone is upset, specifically somebody that just showcases negative vibras on the daily, it's not my fault. And that's okay. It's just some people, like, you know, we have our negative days, so it takes a little moment. But for the ones that just always want to be looking for negative vibras, and if they try throwing at me, I just picture them as a little angry, moody chihuahua. And I laugh inside because it's just the negativity is just so silly to me. Because a lot of the times, that negativity may be for something so small, such as, ugh. My pen ran out of ink and I can't even go get new pens because if I go get new pens, then it's going to take more time out of my day, which I could be using to either sit and have my break longer at work or to do something. Because, you know, it's one of those individuals that just, again, showcases more negativity than positivity or, or problem solving. They just, they don't want to problem solve. They just want to kind of add more to the problem. So with those those types of individuals that have yet to break that type of cycle, for my own well-being, it's just like, when needed, I will be that listening ear, but when not needed, I won't. I know when to cut it off, and to make sure I don't take it personal, especially if it's just always happening constantly, I just picture like just a moody little chihuahua that needs some like comida or attention. But I personally can't give the attention because I heard this on a different podcast episode once that it's very, very challenging for individuals to pretty much unwire a belief system they've always had. Now, for me, it took me a lot of time to unwire the belief system that I have to enable in the sense just like to fix and assist people even if it's like I'm not the problem I just you know what I'm saying and that's taken me a lot of work but if I chose to not want to grow to avoid that unwiring process of my mind with that habit 
then it would just be easier for me to just continue on with my way in the sense that it takes more work to unwire the habit than it is to like, you know, spend the rest of your life just like being unbothered. Does that make sense, Mijente? Like it just goes back to the whole thing that it's like, it's hard to start something, but once you start it, then continuing on, you build the habit to making sure you stick to it. And it's like, I know for me, it's like, I can understand why some people may not want to, you know, change their way of thinking, change their habits, because unwiring a whole process that you pretty much were born and raised with is very hard. It's like you have to, un- uh, you have to like undo the things you were taught by other adults now that you're an adult. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of mental works, which is why I can see, understand why people choose to just continue on with habits that don't necessarily bring them the best growth results. But I'm not saying it's an excuse if it's bringing down others around you, if that makes sense, mi gente. So again, if you're having a bad day or if you want to just remind yourself not to take negative vibras so personally, specifically by like an individual or individuals that just showcase negativity so much, literally just imagine those negative vibras being like, you know, they're coming from like a moody little chihuahua that once you respond, they like, they calm themselves, if that makes sense. I know it sounds like such a silly little thing, but trust me, just just having that thought, having that like connection really has helped me to where, you know, I am now that like where if I do receive any negativity or if I do receive like people trying to like bring me down because it still happens at times. I don't know. I just think of a moody little chihuahua and I feel better. I don't know. But there's that. All right, Mijente, so thank you so much for sticking around to this episode. I hope you learned a lot. And don't forget to follow, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Instagram, wherever you find me, pretty much. All right, Mijente, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.